Okay, welcome to the show. We are talking some New York Yankees in this episode. Uh, episode 605 of BD4. Welcome. Let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Welcome to the podcast, episode 605 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. I think the last time we discussed Yankees here on the show, it was the Juan Soto reaction with Greg. I might be wrong. We might may have done an episode or two after that. Um, but we definitely haven't recorded since the Yamamoto deal and that whole thing with, you know, Dodgers playing tax evasion, and they did it again recently with the Teoscar Hernandez signing, I think it was. Um, but, yeah, in, in you know, we're going to talk about whoops, uh, the Yankee pitching staff in this episode real briefly. It won't be a long show, but, you know, I figured since it's been a bit since we discussed the Yankees on this show that we, you know, touch on some current events here regarding this team. Um so obviously they they missed out on Yoshi Yamamoto. Um, I personally wish the Yankees spent a little extra money to go that mile. Um, they didn't. Um, it seems like Yamamoto was playing both Steinbrenner and Cohen just to get you know drive the price up and and get as much as he can from the Dodgers, um, and then you know. Yeah, they're they're. I I don't listen. That team's the way they did the Otani thing. They got a lot of superstar talent, super team. I I, I will never take the Dodgers serious. Um, <laughs> they're going to be an excellent regular season team. They they on paper they look unbelievable, and I still think they'll be great. A hundred ten wins is very much a possibility. Hey. Maybe they break the Yankees' regular season record. Um, was it the Yankees or Seattle? I keep forgetting. Maybe they win the 117. Um, but I don't ever take them serious as a playoff contender. I just feel like that team doesn't ever get it done come crunch time. Um, they haven't won a World Series since 1988, was it? Um, so we don't count the Mickey Mouse year here, so... Yeah, it's it's good for them. Uh, I sound bitter. I am bitter, but I, I you know, I, I just I don't know. 
it, good for them. Yamamoto is going to be a great pitcher. Um, but now the Yankees have to pivot to lesser options, or maybe, you know, there, there are still very, very good options out there, and we've discussed them. Um, but recently you're hearing some rumors. Um, you're hearing that the first the first guy I want to touch on is um, the Yankees being interested in Marlins pitcher Jesus Lazardo. Um This is an interesting one because this was a report from Jeff Passan, and Jeff Passan is usually on the money. Um, The second pitcher we're going to talk about is, as you can tell, Marcus Stroman. Um, That was the Bob Nightingale report. Now, it's a bit not as reliable. It's a bit conflicting, the reports we've been hearing. So we'll we'll, we'll touch on that in the second half of the show. But I want to touch... I want to start, begin with Jesus Lazardo, uh, because this is a young left-handed pitcher with elite stuff. And anytime you have a chance to get one of those, I, fucking, you get him. Um, he's a 26-year-old. He's six feet tall, 218 pounds. He's five seasons into his career, going into his sixth this this year. Um Happy New Year, by the way. It's crazy how it's already January 8th. Jesus. As I'm recording. Um, he started his major league career with Oakland. Uh, when he was in their system, he was a consistent top 12 prospect. in He was the 12th best prospect in all of baseball. Um, and I believe he was, for a little bit there, the number two best pitching prospect in baseball. So he's, he's legitimate. And then he went to Miami midway through the 2021 season in a trade. Um, And over the course of his career, Jesus Lazardo across 93 games, 77 starts, supports a 4.18 ERA, 10.1 strikeouts per nine versus 3.2 walks per nine, and he's got a 1.25 whip. Um, But he's coming off a very good season last year where across 32 starts, he went 10 and 10 for the Marlins with a 3.58 ERA. Gave them 178 and two thirds innings. I will sign up for that. Uh, and struck out a uh, struck out 208 batters from the left side. So he did that with a 1.21 WHIP. That's a damn good season for a young lefty. And and I I did some more more research on this guy as soon as I heard about him and. I went up to his um, baseball savant page, and there is a lot of red. There's a lot of red on there. Um, And from best to worst, if we're reading the baseball savant, his fastball velo is very good. It's the 90th percentile. His whiff rate is red. His K rate's red. Chase rate's in the red. His walk rate is the least of the red, but it's in the 65th percentile. Uh, and then there is some blue um, from worst to least worst. He's got very little extension. He's just the third percentile in terms of extension. So that's interesting. He does not get much extension on his delivery. Uh, barrel percentage, that's blue. Exit velo is blue. Ground ball rate's a little blue. And his hard hit percentage is at 44th percentile. Um but he's a dude who I think could be very good um, as he continues to develop and um, 
I, I I really like the kid's stuff. I I think his pitch mix is one that Matt Blake could do wonders with. I think he's four seam slider change up sinker, but he's primarily four seam slider change. Um he mixes up the fastball and slider pretty evenly in usage. He'll have some seasons where he goes to the slider a little more. Uh, in some seasons like last year where he relies a little more on the fastball. Uh, and that four seam sits at 97 miles an hour consistently. So it's a very, very hard pitch. Um, he's had some up and down results with it. You know, he's had some years where it's been slugged around. Some years where it's been pretty effective like last year. Um, favors right-handed batters with the fastball. Uh, and then you go to his slider, which is probably his best weapon. Um, undoubtedly, actually, not probably. It's undoubtedly his best weapon. Uh, he gets consistent good results with the pitch. He gets a ton of swing and misses with it. Um, favors the right-handed batters pretty evenly with it, but given there's much less-handed batters, obviously that's going to be the case. But it's a filthy pitch when he uses that slider uh, going into the right-handed hitter. It's because as a lefty, that thing's wipe out. I've seen some highlights of it. It's a wipeout slider. Um, his changeup, he he keeps the changeup below the zone as you should. Um, you know, he's also had some up and down results with that pitch, um, but that's his tertiary pitch. And again, if he were to come to the Yankees, I feel like there could be a breakout under Matt Blake. He would get him to use that changeup more and have more confidence with it. Um, that's something that Matt Blake has done with pitchers in the past. Um, Lazardo's a guy who has thrown more strikes every year. Um, as he increases innings, he's consistently throwing strikes, and he's actually decreasing his walk numbers as well, which is just an excellent indicator for a young pitcher with upside like him. Um, you know, some things to look out for regarding Jesus Lazardo. There's some injury history there, the forearm. He missed all of 2019 with Tommy John surgery. Um, a lot of pitchers are going to have injury concern, right? That's just where we are in 2023. This isn't 2024. This isn't anything that I'm walking away from Jesus Lazardo because of. Um, he has gotten touched up in a couple of playoff starts, but it's a very small sample size. Um, and then there's a thing like we've kind of discussed, I've brought it up before, um, but I've kind of changed my stance on it since, um, too many left-handers in the Yankee rotation. You know, like, if it's an established ace or if it's a, in this case, pitcher with a ton of upside, I'm biting the bullet. Um, especially because, like, who are we talking about? We're talking about Carlos Rodon. We're talking about Nestor Cortez. I can't rely on them, you know. Both of them underachieved last season, dealt with injuries last season, and there's always going to be injuries in the rotation anyway. That's just how this is going to work. So I'm not worried about too much lefty depth. Um, I think Jesus Lazardo is a guy who I would definitely be in on. I think he's got filthy stuff. Now, this would be via trade. Um, you got to ask yourself, what would Miami want? You know, they are in the middle of a rebuilding process right now. They're looking for middle infield help. They probably want some pitching in return, too, I would think. Um, Peraza can go, sure. I mean, I can't see the Yankees 
I don't think the Yankees value him for some reason. They they don't value a lot of their younger prospects, right? Um, I don't mind because he's not. I don't see him being used next year, this year. Um, you know, Hampton, uh, Gomez, Lalane, all top pitching prospects of the Yankees. If you got to throw, you know, two of those th- three guys in there, sure. Obviously, the Marlins have had some interest in Glaber Torres over the last two years. I'm not sure that I would give up Glaber Torres, who was the top offensive weapon last year. I don't know if I'm giving that up coming off a season where the Yankees were bottom 10 in offense. I feel like it's a bit counterproductive. Um, but I don't think Glaber Torres would be in this deal. I know they want him, but like at this point, it might be too late because if Miami's rebuilding, unless they can confidently flip Torres or if they have a ton of con- if they have a ton of confidence that they can extend him, or if they have a ton of confidence that they're going to be able to flip him, then maybe he's in the deal. But I don't see him being in this deal other than that. It doesn't really make much sense to me. If you're rebuilding, you kind of want guys who you can rely on to be here for the future. And I think what probably headlines this deal is not Gleber Torres, but it's probably a Spencer Jones. That's probably where they would look um, with Peraza and maybe Hampton in the deal. Like, I don't think you can get, I, I don't think you can get a long, uh, a long, a young left handed pitcher with upside who still has three more years of team control, making just six million in arbitration next season. I don't think you can get that guy with just Peraza and Hampton as headliners. You know, I think. The Marlins are definitely going to be asking for one of the Yankees' big-time top three prospects. Um, And, you know, of those top three prospects in their system, I don't think Jason Dominguez will be in that deal. I think you can get it done without him. So that kind of leaves us with Spencer Jones. Um, Would it suck to lose Spencer Jones? Yes. Um, I would try incredibly hard, try my absolute best, obviously, to to not include him in a deal for Jesus Lazardo. Um, but again, this is a hot commodity. This is a dude with team control. If I have to bite the bullet, if push comes to shove, I'm trying to win a World Series in the year 2024. So this is something I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, the final package could look something like Jones, Peraza, Hampton. Maybe you throw in another pitching prospect like Gomez. It's a lot to give up, but like... You're getting Jesus Lazardo, who has upside. Uh, maybe Miami wants the Yankees to take on some salary, too. I saw a mock trade on Instagram where um, they put in Avisio Garcia. He won't play anyway. Sure, add that in there. I, I think Jesus Lazardo would be a good idea. Um, he's one of those guys like Dylan Cease where like you're, you're getting him and then you're banking on his upside. But he's a guy I would certainly bank on. Um, so Jesus Lazardo, that's that's pretty much the sp- the spiel on him. Um, we'll talk a little more about this rotation and what they need when we return from break. We'll touch on Marcus Stroman. Um, stay with us here on BD4 episode six hundred five. We will be right back.
Stay with us. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 605 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ. Just said that. Um, Thanks for stopping by. Now, this Yankee rotation is in like a pretty bad position. Um, I really think like losing out on Yamamoto hurt them a lot because now everybody else, every GM, owner, every pitcher in the free agent market know that the Yankees are desperate. Um, And so I mentioned desperate because we're talking about Marcus Stroman. Uh, This is a guy, listen, Bob Nightingale put out a report a couple days ago, I think it was, saying that the that Stroman is interested in coming to the Yankees, but the Yankees were not interested in talking with Stroman. And then I think it was this morning or yesterday morning. I have a terrible short term memory, so I can't remember specifically. Then he puts out a report the next morning and he switches it up, saying that now there's mutual interest, and there has been mutual interest since November during the um, GM meetings. So, and, and you know, Marcus Stroman is is a character, to say the very least. Um, Dan Rourke, on his Instagram page earlier, put it perfectly. Just like dating back to when this whole thing between Stroman and the Yankees started, he was saying how... It started during the 2019 season, right? With um, when when Stroman was with the Toronto Blue Jays, there was reported interest of him wanting to be a Yankee. Um, he was on Twitter. He apparently liked a Twitter post about the Yankees making a deal for him, and then he posted not long after that about him being a savage. And obviously, that was, you know, the context there is. That was like a month after Aaron Boone did his whole Savages in the Box thing. So not long after that, he was traded to the New York Mets, not the Yankees. And apparently he was very pissed off about that. Kind of went nuts in the clubhouse about it. Was not happy that he was dealt to the Mets, not the Yankees. Cashman was asked about why the Yankees didn't make a deal for Stroman in 2019. And his response was basically that he's not a difference maker and he would have been coming out of the bullpen anyway. Um, straightforward as, as Cashman can be sometimes. Uh, sometimes, And, you know, really since then, Marcus Stroman, online personality, has you know become a very bitter man, constantly bashing Stroman, constantly bashing the Yankees, and constantly bashing the Yankee fan base and he, he's gone as far as to become this troll on social media and he's blocking a ton of Yankees fans, blocking Yankees fans on social media. Um, and so that kind of leads us to where we are today, where recently we sit here and he's erased every anti-Yankees social media post apparently and he's now interested again in joining the Yankees. Um, so that's... That's the whole thing there. 
um, personally. And if you listen to my show enough or watch the show over on YouTube, you know my take on this kind of stuff. Like, I've always been intrigued with the pompous asshole who has a bit of an edge. Um, it kind of started with me getting a little tired of, like, the dull, boring, extra-conservative Yankees. And during those Brett Gardner years... Like, I got tired of, like, the extra humble, professional PC guys in the clubhouse. And then, Gardy had that one year where he was just roid-raging, right? He had the bat to the top of the dugout year, and he was just, like, pissed off all the time. And I was like, yes, I love this. And I got a taste of it. Then came the uh, Carlos Correa free agency season that was, you know, kind of fresh off the cheating scandal. And I was like, all right, we need a guy like that. Get Get a bit of an itch. Get some evil in here. And then the Donaldson thing happened, and I was like, all right, this could be the guy, because he's kind of always been a punk, right? He had the feud with he and Cole, and I was like, all right, I like the uncomfortableness that it comes with. That didn't work out. So I've been looking for that type of personality for a bit, and I feel like that could thrive in in, in the New York market. Um, I think the people who believe that it'll be a disastrous relationship with Stroman and the New York media have a point. Um, I don't, like, I don't push back against that too much, but at the end of the day, I also believe if you're a good pitcher, you're a good pitcher. Um, and Marcus Stroman is a good pitcher. Um, no more, no less, but he's a good pitcher in his career. He's got a 3.65 ERA, 7.5 strikeouts per nine, 2.6 walks per nine, uh, 8.7 hits per nine and a 1.25 whip. That's over the course of his entire career. Last season, with the Chicago Cubs in his second season there, um, he pitched to a 3.95 ERA across 136.2 innings, 119 strikeouts, 56, uh, 52 walks, excuse me, and 1.25 whip. Um, he struggled a bit in the second half last year. He had a 2.28 ERA in his first 16 starts, in his last 11, he had an 8-2-9. Um, so he was very bad in the second half. But, like, the way I look at that stuff, I've kind of changed my stance on that. I feel like that's why he had a 3.95 ERA and not a 2-2-8, right? Like, that's how it works. He had a 3.95 ERA, and that's exactly what that is. You're going to have ups and downs. At the end of the day, they all equate one number in. Uh, he had a fine year. Um, so I, I, I love the edge. I love that. I love the swag that he pitches with. Um, I think it's funny how much of an asshole he is. Like, you know, calling everybody racist and like <laughs> he wants attention and all that. I, I don't really put too much weight into that. I think it's just, again, social media trolling. But if you're good at the sport that they call baseball, count me in. And, and that's that he is. He's good at baseball. Um, I like that he's ground ball heavy. You know, low home run count. He's a very durable pitcher. Um, what I love the most above everything is the consistency. I love an established pitcher who is consistently reliable year to year. And Marcus Stroman has made 30 starts or more in four of the last seven years, 25 starts or more in six of the last seven years, and he's got a sub four ERA in six of his uh, in six of his eight major league seasons. 
Um, I'm not including 2015 where he had a 1.67 in four starts because of the ACL. Um, so that's pretty good. He's consistently reliable. You know you're getting that guy. Um, he has spent the last two seasons with the Chicago Cubs, but he declined his option for next year uh, or this upcoming season. Um, it's like the third time I did that. He's a dude with a very small frame, right? He's 5'7", 180, also 32 years old. There, that's 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 very risky in the MLB. Um, as you get older, it, it doesn't always fare well. But that's that's a negative for sure. There's no spinning on that. And, and I also, you, I don't know if the nerds are too into him because his baseball savant. There's a ton of blue. Um, like there's there's no dancing around that either. There's a lot of blue. If you like the nerd sites and you go on Baseball Savant, you're not going to like it. Um, his command's not the same. His slider has dropped off some. Personally, I, I'm a Savant guy. I've, I've grown to get into some of the nerd stuff. I think you have to be open to it. But, like, I more favor that stuff when it comes to younger pitchers with upside. I think established pitchers who've already made their name in the game and guys who we know who they are, I don't really look at stuff like that as much, um, but it's not good, and I understand the concerns on it. For me, though, when it comes to veterans, what I like to look at, if you have a large sample size in your career, you've been a vet in the league for seven-plus years, as Stroman has, I like to look at playoff resume, especially as a Yankees fan. And Marcus Stroman, it's not been bad for him at all in the postseason. Now, I think he's got an ERA of 4.4-something in, in the playoffs. That's a bit deceiving because I looked at his sample size. Um, and it's not too large, but he's got five very good starts for for his career in the playoffs. Um, he won seven innings, three earned against Texas. Six innings, two earned against Texas. Six and a third, four earned against the Royals. Six and a third, two earned against the... Baltimore Orioles, and then most recently won five and a third, four runs against Cleveland. So that's consistently, that's that's consistency. He's keeping you in the game at very worst in each of those starts. None of them jump out at you, but every one of them are, are like, okay, well, you know, the bats, bats got to do their job because he's doing his job adequately. Um, so, all in all, when it comes to Marcus Stroman, he's somebody I would take. Um, here's the catch. The Yankees need two starting pitchers. Two. Not one starting pitcher, not a starting pitcher, and some bullpen help. They need two starting pitchers first and foremost. And if they're going to go out and sign someone like Stroman, he cannot be the better of the two pitchers. Um or if the other guy is a guy with a ton of upside, like a Cease or Lazardo, sure, I'd do that too. But I think the Yankees can't look at Stroman as the guy to get. I think they need an actual number two pitcher, number one B, who can, who you can rely on behind Garrett Cole. And then you could do a Stroman. I'd be like, okay, cool. Because Stroman's not that. Stroman, at this point in his career is a solid middle-of-the-rotation arm. He's a number three, probably more of a number four. So 
I would take him, but under that circumstance. Um, and of course, there are a lot of other starting pitching names that we're, we're hearing about. Um, we've had some episodes where we've talked about Snell, Bieber, and Cease. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about more. Um, maybe we'll talk more about those guys in future episodes. Um, we haven't touched on Trevor Bauer yet. Maybe we'll talk about him, that stuff. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Imanga if he doesn't sign by then, although I think he's more of like a Walmart Yamamoto. I'm not really intrigued by that guy. Um, but Marcus Stroman is certainly an option um, as as the other guy this offseason, you know. Uh, but if you heard, if you've been following the Yankees this offseason, you've heard some reports about about how they're trying to double down on the bullpen and just go hard for Josh Hader. And that just, again, it cannot be a main priority here for many reasons to me. Like, the Yankee rotation was really bad last year. It was straight up bad. Um, too many unreliable question marks. And on top of that, you lost Michael King, who's expected to be in the rotation, and you lost some depth with him. Um, that you know, guys like Vasquez, Brito were expected to be in the rotation this year as well. Thorpe at some point. So, if you're the Yankees, you probably don't want to be overpaying on your bullpen because, well, first and foremost, you want to pay Juan Soto next winter. So, if you're looking to pay Josh Hader this winter, it's going to be a lot on the Yankees' payroll for a team who wants to try to stay under the tax. Um, they lost a ton of trade chips as is. So it's like, I, you know, I, I just feel like the Yankees are very, very good at finding arms and turning them into legitimate bullpen talent. You know, like how often do we see that happen? It's very often. Um, and their bullpen's already very good. It is, and it's always been very good. They, they were number one in the array last year. Uh, and they've been top ten in the array in the last in in six of the last seven seasons. The only one being the COVID year, which again nobody takes serious. So I trust their bullpen. Um, plus, you've got F. Ross returning on top of this. You got Luis Heel, who could be part of the bullpen at some point. Um, if Johnny Lawazic is finally healthy, there's another. I think the bullpen's going to be fine. It always works itself out. I would say just stick to making smaller moves in the bullpen because I trust them enough there. Uh, Victor Gonzalez, I thought that was a solid move, by the way. Left-handed pitcher to replace Wandy Peralta. They got him from the Dodgers. Um, so I think they'll do good things with him. Uh, I, I think they need to just focus on the starting pitching rotation, though, because, again, you can't just go into it with Garrett Cole and then praying that Rodon bounces back and, and pitches up to his contract and stays healthy, and then praying that Nestor Cortez gets back to his form and, you know, praying that Clark Schmidt takes the next step. Like, that's a lot of praying. So you have to get a guy who you can rely on, who you know has some success, um, and is going to be that number two to Garrett Cole. Um, Blake Snell is the preference here. I would love for the Yankees to go after Snell. You're hearing that more, so maybe we'll talk more Blake Snell in future episodes. Uh, I feel like the Corbin Burns rumors have died down in the last week. We'll see there. I don't know how much the Yankees are willing to trade if it comes to Dylan Cease because he's a guy who's going to cost a lot more than Burns, being he's under team control. They already gave up a ton of pitching depth, so how much more 
Are you willing to give up for a guy like Dylan Cease? I'm all for it. I'm just speaking on on what I think they're seeing it like. Um, Yeah, you need starting pitching. You need at least two starters. One has to be very good. The other has to be decent. So that's the position they put themselves in by not paying up on Yamamoto. Um, And so here we are. Marcus Stroman, Jesus Lazardo. That wouldn't be a terrible offseason there. Um, We'll see what happens. We're going to head to our final break, and when we return from break, we'll get to our trivia to wrap this thing up. That'll be that. Stay with us. Be right back here on BD4. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Anybody else watch the uh, national championship? It was all right. It, it was a good game until it wasn't there in the fourth. Washington, I never really feel like I had a shot. But uh, the men beat the women. <laughs> the public restroom bull. Um, yeah, that's... that's uh, Sorry, that was like a random thought. Um, Yeah, that's it. I think that's it regarding this episode. We talked enough Yankees. Let's wrap it up with our trivia, and then that will be that. All right. So in this episode, we got a true or false question. True or false. The 1998 Yankees hit 207 home runs. But no player hit more than 25. Is that true or false? The 1998 Yankees hit 207 home runs, but no player hit more than 25. Is that true or false? All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next show. As for this episode, that is it. Episode 605 of BD4 is in the books the Yanks interested in Stroman question mark because we really don't know since Bob Nightingale has done some very shoddy reporting over the last couple of days. Um, but I do love the Jesus Lazardo rumor from Passan. Hopefully that's something that has legs. Usually his reports do. I just spit. Hopefully that doesn't show up on camera. That's it. Episode 605 in the books. I'm rambling. I'll see you next time. 
This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.